United States uh, has carried out cyber attacks or surveillance projects around the world. These projects not only help the United States realize its geopolitical strategy, but also provide unfair competitive advantages for American multinational companies. Generally speaking, when it comes to national defense and security matters, China does not openly discuss vulnerabilities unless they are able to handle them sufficiently and mitigate those threats. Anyways, they don't talk about things that they can't secure and project strengths uh, relative to. So consequently, I see in this announcement a new capability and confidence and much less weakness and loss. It's true that the U.S. is certainly an incumbent with important technological and perhaps even, uh, we could say, institutional advantages here. Countries like Russia and Iran are generally recognized for being quite capable in this area as well. And if we look at organizations like the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, you know, one of its purposes is to work together to create a stronger, a more safer cyber environment. These are two areas that are, I think, very, very viable that, of course, are getting a lot of attention. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to The Chat Lounge. I'm Tzu Ying. Joining our discussion on China's cybersecurity are... Joseph Mahoney, Professor of Politics and International Relations of East China Normal University. Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization. And Jiang Tianjiao, Associate Professor, Development Institute of Fudan University. A warm welcome to you all, gentlemen. So China's cybersecurity is under threat. A recent investigation found the United States National Security Agency was involved in the hacking of the email system of China's Northwest Polytechnical University, and the investigation was jointly carried out by China's National Computer Virus Emergency Response Center and cybersecurity firm 360. So I'd like to start with、uh, Tian Jiao. Were you surprised when you first、um, heard the news? Many people on social media, especially those from abroad, are asking, "Why was Northwest Polytechnical University targeted? What's so special about it?" I'm not so surprised because in the past few years,、uh, there have been many news reports that the United States、uh, has carried out cyber attacks or surveillance projects around the world. I think we all know about the Snowden case and、uh, the American hacking activities exposed. And later, we also have、uh, investigation report from EU also show that the United States has many other、uh, cyber surveillance projects around the world. So、um, these projects not only help the United States realize its geopolitical strategy, but also provide unfair competitive advantages for American multinational companies. And recently, we know that the、uh, China-U.S. relations has been continuously tense, and I think the Northwestern Polytechnical University, as a very important national defense-related university in China,、uh, has naturally become the target of U.S. cyber attacks.、Mm. Uh, we know China's got a、uh, seven major national defense-related、uh, universities.、Um, Northwest Polytech is one of them, and、uh, what made it? The target is—is is it 
I'm not quite sure if it's the weakest link when it comes to cyber defense or cyber security. Joseph? You know, there, there are two possible explanations. Uh, first, uh, they had some specific reason, some, already had some intelligence in hand to attack this university, you know, they, because they had reason to believe there was something there that they wanted to know. Or second, uh, in fact, they attacked other schools as well, and mm. this is the one where the attack was successful or simply the one we're being told about. Now, uh, you know, I think when we talk about weakness in, in, in cybersecurity, I think we, we should differentiate uh, two types of capabilities. Uh, and on the one hand, uh, there's the capacity to attack, and on the other hand, the, the capacity to defend. Now, both China and the U.S. have generally been described as being weak yeah. in cyber defense, but quite capable in cyber attacks. Um, and, you know, the, the, the weakness comes for both countries in, in, uh, due to the fact that uh, both are, are large with massive systems. Both are very advanced technological societies, perhaps the two most uh, uh, advanced technological societies in the world right now, uh, with increasing digitalization. And what this means is there are many uh, vulnerabilities that are hard to cover. Uh, in contrast, you know, a country like North Korea, which is relatively undeveloped, and uh, uh, backward technologically could have robust cybersecurity because so little is online. Uh, but, you know, I think if we ask ourselves, what was it that the Americans might have gotten or, or did China suffer a significant loss? I would suggest that, uh, that they probably did not lose much for three reasons. Uh, first, generally speaking, really sensitive secrets in China are kept in much more secure locations with uh, much more robust forms of physical and data security. And this includes especially defense uh, space-related programs, uh, which are generally sequestered physically and very difficult, if not impossible, to penetrate. So whatever was stolen at Northwest Polytech, it, it might have been sensitive and valuable, but unlikely that it was anywhere near the crown jewels of Chinese tech secrets. Second, uh, this, the university itself has announced that nothing much of value was stolen. So there's no reason not to take them at their, at their word. And third, we, we know that China has been working hard to improve cybersecurity since 2015. And the fact that they were able to discover and trace this attack and indicates likely improved capabilities. And uh, the follow-on to this is that, uh, again, generally speaking, when it comes to national defense and security matters, China does not openly discuss uh, vulnerabilities unless they are able to handle them sufficiently uh, and mitigate those threats. Anyways, they don't talk about things that they can't secure and project strength uh, relative to. So consequently, I see in this announcement a new capability and confidence and much less weakness and loss. We'll have more discussion on that um, later on. But uh, Andy, have you ever had any doubt over the credibility of such a finding that it was uh, the NSA that's behind this whole thing. Well, I think you raise a really great point in terms of attribution, meaning a, the ability to conclusively prove who was behind a cyber attack is one of the most challenging and vexing aspects uh, of cyber defense because uh, most capable, especially state agents, when they launch uh, a cyber attack, are usually routed through different, sometimes numerous locations. So attribution uh, is not impossible. It can be very, very challenging. But I would echo what other people have said so far in that this is not surprising. Um, I don't believe that this is a one-off, though. 
mm. um, in that you know what causes a lot of concern for the United States is um, you know China's uh, civil military fusion program initiative policy, and that I think what the U.S. sees is some educational institutions like the one we just talked about are like the MITs, the Johns Hopkins, uh, maybe even the Stanfords of the Chinese world in that these are educational institutions, but they also do work uh, for and with government as well and sees them as a, a legitimate uh, intelligence target. And we also have to look at this in the context of the U.S. really launching a full spectrum uh, attack on China, economic sanctions, diplomatic attacks, and of course, provocative military actions. Uh, and so I think it's not surprising at all. In fact, what would be surprising is if the U.S. were not stepping up its cyber attacks against China, whether that's um, looking to get information or perhaps even to plant uh, some cyber attacks that could be activated to affect national infrastructure, electricity, you know, water, etc. Then do you believe nothing significant has been obtained, Andy? Well, I think that, you know, that's, of course, probably impossible to know. Um, but we also have to recognize, and I, and I mentioned, I touched on this, that this is, uh, in my, I guess, estimation, is that it's not a one-off meaning going after some particular piece of information, although I'm sure there are those objectives. Yeah. But it's part of a larger information gathering, intelligence gathering analysis uh, strategy and getting disparate pieces of information, uh, putting them together to make predictions. Because the other thing we have to recognize too is that Espionage, spycraft, is a vital part of any country's national security strategy, as is diplomacy and hard power. Mm. Uh, Tianxiao, what's your take here? The Chinese side said that they've used uh, like over 40 uh, means um, and uh, some, I think it's 140 gigabytes of uh, uh, information has been, you know, I would use the word stolen. <laughs> Tianxiao. Yeah. I think maybe it has been a huge amount of information that has been um, hacked by the hackers of the NSA, according to the, the investigation report. Um, but but I, I think I agree with Joseph that um, uh, maybe it's it's not that uh, high level confidential uh, information, because uh, I, I think that we have a more secure way to protect those more important to classify uh, information. But uh, of course, uh, because this university is related to the uh, defense industry, so it, it must be the target of the US cyber uh, attacks. That's what, what, what I just learned from the investigation report. I, I think we need to we need more time to find uh, the truth because uh, as what Andy said that uh, the cyber attribution, it, it, in fact, it is a very difficult job. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it often requires a lot of time and manpower and technical costs. And uh, if we don't have the cooperation, the help from the U.S. side, in fact, I don't think we, we can really know the 100% truth. 
because in fact, what we can do is just uh, we have the IP of the attackers, and uh, maybe this time we we find more evidence. But in fact, if you need to have the very accurate attribution, you need like local human intelligence and local support, uh, legal support. To help you to identify those attackers and what what they have done and what they have got, but uh, we we know that if it is very sensitive information, they are、uh, highly confidential, so you can never have that. So I think that it, it, we still need、uh, more time to find out the truth.、Mm. Yeah, like One quick thing, if I can、sure. add. So you know what's been reported is that what it's about 140 gigabytes of information,、mm. and You know, in one sense, that's a lot. You know, gigabyte of data is a lot of information, but in the larger scheme of things, it really might not be that much data. Because think about today's hard drives on most personal、yeah. laptops. You know, five hundred gigabytes. So it's a fraction of what would fit on a uh, personal uh, laptop today. So in terms of the volume of the data, you know, I think. We can say it's a lot. We can say maybe it's not a lot. But of course, what is in it, of course, is what really matters. And I think that's very hard to know. So, are you saying it's not probably not so harmful? Well, I think it's very difficult to say without knowing what exactly is in the right, you right. know is、uh, has been copied or stolen. But I suppose if, if there's anything significant, they they you know、uh, the experts here in China must have already decoded. Or are they not so capable of doing so? Sure. No, of course, of course. No, I guess what I mean as as someone as a as a someone outside with no direct connection to it, I think it's very hard to know. And you know, I think we have good reason to、uh, believe what the Chinese government has said about how important this information is. I'm basically、uh, an idiot in this in this field, but、um, with your expertise, Andy. How difficult is it to, you know, sort out how or where this is coming from and what kind of information has been、uh, hacked to make a conclusion like that? Is it difficult? Very difficult? How long usually、um, does it take? I would. I mean, I don't know what our, our other panelists think, but I would say, as an outside observer, it'd be impossible, right? I mean, just if I were to, if you were to say, tell me, you know. What's on your hard disk, right?、Mm. Um, who knows? So, you know, I think what we have to go on is,、um, you know, official government statements and、uh, perhaps, you know, what we've read in the media. Yeah,、uh, like、uh, Joseph just mentioned, he sees it. This whole incident、um, from a positive、um, perspective, saying it means、uh, China's defense or detective capability has been enhanced, but for. Many others here in China. It seems it's n- not the case because this whole thing has been going on for for over a decade, and、um, I think it's two years ago there was a similar report by 360 that、um, the U.S.、Uh, intelligence agencies have been hacking China's、um, all kinds of institutions, colleges, or military branches. So. Tianjiao, what's your interpretation here? Do you see the weakness, or do you see any other, you know, progress here through this event?、Um, so w- when we talk about cybersecurity, I-, I think, in fact, cybersecurity is composed of different aspects, several aspects.、Uh, for example, 
the legal system, right? Mm. Uh, in the in the past, the China didn't have any laws and regulations. Uh, I don't want to say any, but uh, we have some, but um, not that effective laws and regulations um, related to like cybersecurity or data security. Um, so, if you don't have a very specific like legal system regulations on um, this issue, you will not have enough like uh, deterrence for those like uh, uh, criminal cyber uh, crimes, criminal activities. So, um, but but now you know that uh, recently we have like the cybersecurity law, we have the uh, data security law, we, we have improved the legal system. So I, I think certainly um, in this aspect, our cybersecurity is, is improving. Um, but still, I mean, cybersecurity also, we, we face a lot of like challenges. Mm. Uh, for example, the fundamental like cyber attack, cyber defense technology. There's no doubt that the United States is still the most powerful uh, country uh, in the field of cyber technology. And the U.S., it also uh, has many, uh, occupied many like uh, key uh, cyber resources uh, around the world. And it can uh, decide. Uh, the cyber rules, the international rules. So, and many of the, I, I think the hardwares and softwares we are using today, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think most of them are still like uh, monopolized by United States and its allies. For example, um, we, we all know like the office, the daily, uh, what we have used, uh, like Word, PPT, Excel, this uh, office software, and also the operating system like Windows and also the OS from Apple. And also another, I think there have been a large number of like industrial design software and enterprise management software. I think all of these softwares, they are from the mm. United States or maybe from uh, the Western countries. So uh, I, I think that uh, we are still face some potential uh, cyber security risks. Mm, maybe that's also why uh, China is also, you know, under constraint um, in this yeah, regard. Yeah. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Andy, I'd like to hear your opinion on this what kind of um you know shortages or probably talents or any other that china is currently lacking which makes it some um, you know defense capability at a relatively low level well i'm not sure i could say it's at a low level um mm. you know there's certainly policies procedures as well as technology and talent i think that affects cybersecurity. Uh, but let me just back up for a second, uh, maybe talk a little bit of the background of how this happens. All right. So, um, you know, of course, as the world becomes increasingly digitized, we rely on uh, electronic devices and software for more and more things, you know, from military systems to payment systems uh, to healthcare, et cetera. But that creates a set of vulnerabilities. And how are those vulnerabilities exploited? So the main thing we have to know is that there are these things called uh, zero-day exploits. And these are just basically software bugs that haven't been discovered yet, whether that's in Windows or in Office 
or in WeChat or, or you know, any, again, any software that we use. And how do uh, intelligence agencies like the NSA uh, conduct cyber attacks? They first have to accumulate, either discover or buy these zero-day exploits. These Essentially, it's like a master key that lets you open up uh, a system. Mm. And then they bundle them together or customize them to launch a specific attack, whether that's to go in and copy steal information or to make centrifuges spin at destructive speeds, like what happened with Iran at Natanz. So this all is happening, and, and I think it's well recognized uh, that the U.S. has been the most aggressive in accumulating zero-day exploits and figuring out ways uh, to weaponize them. So we talk about, you know, is China uh, weak here? Um, I'm not so sure I would jump to that conclusion because certainly uh, there is a very strong security mindset in China. I think that, uh, you know, policies, procedures, generally speaking, are very, very strong. Um, but the issue, of course, is the, the attack surface area is enormous. So even if you think about in a single university, um, you only need to find one point of vulnerability, you know, whether that's someone that clicks on an email link, you know, without taking proper precautions or or whatever, um, that uh, these risks are there. And uh, this is structural. And I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, clearly, I think China, any country can do better uh, at this. And for China, as its global influence grows, as its technology uh, becomes increasingly advanced, it's going to become uh, a bigger target, uh, not just from the U.S., but from other countries as well. Uh, so certainly it's a priority area. And like what you all of you just mentioned, that uh, the United States not just um, does this to China, but also a lot of uh, other countries. But there is no way or to, to, so to speak, uh, bring it to justice. So what kind of uh, countermeasures do you think China can take then? Andy? Well, I think one, of course, is to strengthen its own capabilities, but the other uh, is to work with other countries. So while I think it's true that the U.S. is certainly uh, an incumbent uh, with important technological and perhaps even, uh, we could say, institutional advantages here, uh, countries like Russia and Iran uh, are generally recognized for being quite capable in this area as well. And if we look at uh, organizations like the SCO, the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, you know, one of its purposes is to work together to uh, create a stronger, uh, a more safer cyber environment. So I think these are two areas uh, that are, I think, very, very viable that, of course, are getting a lot of attention. Um Joseph, do you have any idea? I've learned that maybe we could learn from the U.S. because I noticed that the FBI has issued some wanted, most wanted alerts around the world for some Chinese hackers they identified as behind some cyber attacks. So probably we can do that. 
You know, I, I think the, the, the kind of pick up on a number of points that Andy made. Right. Um, this is not surprising at all because this is the norm. This is what happens all the time. And, and the only thing that I think that's really new about it is that China is discussing it openly. There, there, is some, there are some reports that we're seeing in international media from various experts that this hack may have happened much earlier this year, perhaps as early as May. Mm. Uh, because there's some chatter about it that, yeah. that some people say they found in um, in Chinese social media, and that uh, it's only now being discussed. Uh, so this is either maybe some old news that's that's now new news, or um, there's even some people who who said that maybe maybe there wasn't a major attack. Um, that that this is just an opportunity for China to showcase. To, to, to promote cybersecurity, and, mm. and uh, which would be ironic, right? Because you said that a lot of Chinese people are frustrated because they feel like this is something that keeps happening year after year. And again, I think the real message here is not that 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 we're talking about a vulnerability, but an increased capacity. Another thing that I think Andy said was um, the, the part about law, and we all know that that advancing the rule of law is very important domestically, but it's also important um, in terms of how you. Uh, relate to other countries in, through international law. And and again, I, I think Andy was picking up on this when he was talking about Shanghai Cooperation Organization. Um, but, you know, we, we have this this report um, from the Chinese government that they were uh, assisted in this uh, research by other countries. Um, and, you know, this, of course, raises some interesting questions. Um, it's likely that this assistance would have taken place through the rubric of, of international law. In mm -hmm. other words, this type of activity is illegal. Therefore, uh, other countries that uh, don't necessarily uh, are, are may not may not be necessarily uh, enemies of the United States, but but nevertheless they they uphold uh, the law. Maybe on this basis alone, they cooperate. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but another side of it is. Um, you know, there were, there were, it was, I think it was said that one country was a South Asian country and the other country was a, was a European country. And as, and again, as, as Andy noted, uh, you know, um, uh, Russia is one of the leading, has some of the leading resources in this area. Yes. Um, it may have been the case that, um, that when, when they mentioned uh, South Asia, that, that the United States, assuming that this attack took place, that the United States used servers in Pakistan or, or some other South Asian country. There, there's not too many of them in South Asia, depending on how we define it. But, you know, uh, Pakistan is a friend of China. So, uh, uh, but even even if it was done in a country that's not a friend, right? If, if the NSA was exploiting servers based in another country and China uh, traces the attack to those servers, those countries have a vested interest in cooperating with China to say, no, we're not responsible for this. You know, that this was something perpetrated by someone else who, who took advantage of us in order to take advantage of you. So, uh, you know, I think all of this is, is a very compelling story, and we're still left with a lot of speculation. But um, I think, at least in, in some respects, Andy and I concur that, it, that it's indicating uh, a new type of confidence or capability, or at least one that wasn't shown directly before. And we know that, uh, that Germany had to you know, closed the investigation into NSA's hacking of uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel's phone calls due to what they call, what would they say, a lack of evidence in uh, 2015. 
now that the the Chinese side says it has concrete evidence in it, you know, complete chain of events detailing how the U.S. cyber attacks were were carried out, you know, on uh, this Chinese university. So, Tianjiang, I'm wondering whether China can, you know, hold the hackers accountable in this regard, probably through cooperation with uh, other countries, like what Joseph just mentioned. Yeah. On one hand, I think that the evidence disclosed at present can, I think it can certainly have certain psychological deterrent effect on those attackers. I think so. Uh, maybe later, I think maybe the NSA task force they they are not take very rash actions. But as why I just mentioned, on the other hand, because these attackers uh, they are all in the United States and. Mm, most of them, they are maybe U.S. government personnel, they are officials. Um, if the United States uh, doesn't cooperate, I think uh, it is very difficult for us to punish them. Mm. And however, um, if they continue to launch um, cyber attacks, we can still take some sanctions or uh, countermeasures. For example, I, I think we can add them to the blacklist and maybe uh, prohibit them from entering China, or maybe prohibit them from participating in any like commercial business investment activities related to China. We, we still can do something. But uh, I want to add that we also need the support from other countries and partners. I, I mean, it, it is not not on our own, but we also need uh, the support from maybe uh, European countries, or, uh, ASEAN countries, because um, the, the, for cyberspace, it is all interconnected, right? Mm. So probably, um, you know, the, the basic solution is to build up our own capacity in this field. And Andy, You've just mentioned uh, you're expecting more such cyber attacks carried out by the U.S. on China. Then, you know, in the future, what could be the major targets of such attacks? And apart from uh, phishing emails, what other means may be developed? Well, I think what's interesting about cyber attacks is, as we all touched on uh, a little bit earlier, is there are, uh, I guess, two objectives. So mm. one is espionage of right. collecting information uh, to guide policy decisions. Um, another is that it is a substitute for uh, a kind of a military hard power attack mm. because through the release of viruses or other types of cyber weapons, um, one could shut down an electric grid uh, for a city, uh, maybe for a military base, etc. Uh, could possibly damage missiles, surveillance systems, etc. So uh, I think that you know, these are, again, it's, uh, it's becoming an increasingly important part of any country's arsenal. So that's just a general thing, right? As, as more and more of our lives become digitized, um, this has only become more important. What I want to talk a little bit about, too, is to go back to these uh, zero-day exploits, though, that the U.S. Uh, relies a lot upon. Um, and here's a problem, a conundrum, which may mitigate uh, some of these increases in cyber attacks, mm -hmm. in that when uh, an intelligence agency like the NSA discovers or acquires uh, a zero-day exploit, 
it can do two things. It can keep it or it can reveal it. Because the idea here is that if, you know, it discovers a bug in Windows uh, that will let it go in and do anything it wants, right? That if it told Microsoft, Microsoft would patch it or fix it so no one else could do that. And of course, now that zero-day exploit becomes worthless. Mm. But by keeping it, you never know, does anyone else know about this too that could exploit it? So these cyber attacks, these cyber weapons are really double-edged swords because uh, by not letting uh, a software company know about this vulnerability, uh, it's creating potential risks for everybody. The other thing too Including is that, the hacker? This has been, yeah, but this has been publicly reported is that uh, the tools, the cyber weapons that the NSA has discovered have, have actually been captured and turned against uh, other targets, uh, for example, British hospitals, etc. So I'd say there's two problems that may mitigate increases in cyber attacks. One is that these zero-knowledge exploits uh, are basically bugs that are undetected. So if the NSA has one of them, it has a choice. Mm. Either keep it and use it for one day for, for an attack or let the company know so they can fix it. But once it's fixed, of course, that zero-day exploit becomes worthless. Um, but now the problem is if you keep it, you don't know if anyone else also knows about it that's creating some sort of damage. The other is that these weapons uh, that the NSA creates have this kind of loose nuke, loose nuclear weapon problem, is that if someone else captures your weapon, they can actually turn it against you or your allies. And this has happened and has been publicly reported. So, uh, you know, these are uh, potential constraints on increases in uh, cyber attacks uh, by the U.S. against China and against other countries as well. So I just wanted to uh, add a little bit of nuance to that. That while well, I do agree, I think there will be increasing attacks, but there's also some factors that may help mitigate that. Uh, the zero-day exploits you were talking about, it China cannot use it as some uh, countermeasures. Well, the, the, it, what what they are, they're bugs, right? So think of them as uh, unlocked doors in a software application that no one knows about. So. They're mainly more as potential offensive capabilities, not so much defensive. I, I could be, I mean, others may have a, a, a different view on that or maybe uh, something to add. So I'm, I'm certainly not, uh, you know, the, the expert on this. This is just my own understanding. Right. Uh, Tianjiao, what's your interpretation? So as I just oh. mentioned, that I think uh, our other um, panelists also, also said that uh, one way we can just um, enhance our own like cyber defense capability, uh, devote more resources to like, uh, to have trained more like professional human resources and cybersecurity fields. And uh, um, also to have our own like uh, domestic, like software, hardware, and have more like innovation and um, cybersecurity technology. Uh, uh, I, I, I heard that uh, several years ago, we have some domestic uh, scientists and technical experts team. They they developed the so-called uh, the mimic defense technology, which means that it can help us improve the cyber defense system. But 
such kind of innovation is still, I think it's still very few. So um, I, I think that we need to uh, build up uh, our own uh, cyber defense capability. But at the same time, I think um, we need to cooperate with other uh, global partners, um, like legal uh, system right. uh, cooperation. Also, um, because if, if, if you conduct like uh, attribution and you find that maybe they have some like hackers located in uh, the third uh, country, then of course you need local support, uh, local police to help you to find the guy, right? And at the same time, I think we need to have other foreign, uh, uh, we have like uh, part, uh, global partners to uh, help us to join the global like uh, cybersecurity laws or cybersecurity rules uh, making. So we need to uh, make like uh, join the UNGGE and other multinational uh, platforms to set up the rules that how to regulate uh, like cyber espionage uh, issues and how to avoid like disputes. Yeah, I know um, uh, there are a lot of yeah, yeah te technical uh, solutions, but uh, from another perspective, as some um, an average citizen or um, average user, I always got this question, why so many people would uh, fall for this uh, kind of phishing emails? Because it, it's on this um, Northwest uh, Polytechnical University. I think teachers and students in that university should be very vigilant because of what it does, right? What they, they're studying and they're doing is quite closely linked to national defense. And um, that would raise their, their vigilance and at least awareness of such uh, phishing emails. Why there's so many... Are there so many people falling for this kind of phishing emails, Tianjiao? I want to take my personal example. Uh, many years ago, in fact, I, my personal computer also crashed because of phishing emails. And all of the documents are just gone. Fortunately, uh, I was only a student at that time, so there's not no any uh, confidential materials. But um, as you said, that uh, there are so many uh, teachers, students, uh, I mean, they, maybe some of them, they, they have, they are related to some like uh, classified projects. Uh, they have a lot of like confidential documents. So I, I think I agree that uh, there must be a lot of like training on um, how to like uh, keep it secret, how to uh, keep the data security. But anyway, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, it happens. Uh, it, it's very easy for uh, those attackers, they just click and send the phishing email, and they can send it to hundred thousand and computers and users, and day by day. So, but for like uh, for the students, for the journal, for the public people, I I, I think that just just if one of the, the teachers or students, they just they forget about their their training, their uh, like rules on like how to keep uh, the data secure, then maybe um, it, it, it is it just gone. So it happens. So which also means that we need to further, I think, strengthen and to improve our this kind of vigilance mm -hmm. on like uh, data security and cybersecurity issue. Uh, uh so more training is 
is <laughs> needed. Right, right. The chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. You're listening to the chat lounge, and we are talking about China's cybersecurity. Andy, do you have any experience to share with us in this regard? Um, not so much in the personal area, but I would say that yes, certainly, user vigilance is important.、Um, you know, we can think of this as a kind of digital hygiene,、um, but not to alarm you guys and our audience. But you know, in addition to these zero-day exploits, now of course there are what are called zero-click. Exploits.、Mm. So, for example,、uh, there's a Israeli、uh, software company that developed a product called Pegasus that could install spyware on a small on an iPhone without the user having clicked on any link. So, therefore, it's called zero click. And I think that you know we're going to see a greater and greater different types of threats. So, I agree with everyone that.、Um, User vigilance is important, but it's certainly not going to be enough as you know, the technological sophistication of cyber attackers becomes greater. Because again, if you're、uh, you know a for-profit hacker or a state actor, to depend on someone clicking on a link from a phishing email、uh, is a little bit unreliable. Because what happens if they don't click? Either because they didn't see the email or because they know it's dangerous. Um, so you know we are moving into this world where vulnerabilities might not require you to do anything, and, and you've still been compromised. So I think again, this is a, this is a very real challenge. But、um, even if、um, you know average people like like me、uh, click the the phishing email, there's nothing you know worth stealing from me, right? Yeah, but here then we can get into you know different types of cyber attacks, right? So. Um, you know, some we might think of as more of a nuisance, like a DDoS or a denial of service, right? Where a hacker commandeers hundreds, thousands, maybe millions of devices, and they all start pinging a certain website or a certain、uh, address and overloading it and making it crash. So, you know, that's one form of cyber attack that you know you and I, you know, would. Could be vulnerable too,、um, and you never know because the other way that is a combination of a cyber attack and kind of what's called social engineering is that if someone maps your social graph and knows you know you're related, you went to school with someone that they're interested in,、uh, you know that may have sensitive information, they then may be able to use your email address to send them something as a link, and they say, oh, this is my best friend, let me click on.、It. Right, and they've been compromised. So there's a lot. Again, you know, I think the risks are almost infinite. So this is again what makes、uh, defense so challenging.、Mm. And if it goes, you know,、uh, like massive、uh, surveillance over China, some people say there would be a war probably between the two sides. Obviously,、um, China is not. Right now, it's not、um, a competitor of of the U.S. on the same level. But、um, do you have any concern that、uh, such a cyber war could take place in the future? Maybe to each of you,、um, Joseph. 
You know, I, I joined a panel discussion uh, that included a number of uh, military scholars in the U.S., including many who were in, in the armed services several years ago. And the basic conclusion that they all shared, and, and again, this was like 2018 or 2019, is that, uh, that there is already a relatively hot but somewhat low-intensity cyber warfare uh, that's been that's been going on for many years. Right. And uh, again, you know, uh, to echo what, what we've already said, this isn't surprising. We know that the U.S. spies on everyone, including itself. We know that uh, the U.S. was listening in on Merkel. We know that uh, uh, we, we're not quite sure, but one of the files that was reported, one of the classified files that was reported at Trump's estate a few weeks ago was was one about uh, the French President uh, uh, Macron. Uh, we know that after 9-11, the U.S. advanced laws that made it legal to spy extensively on its own citizens and above all foreign governments and nationals. And uh, we know that they have uh, uh, considerable technological abilities. And I think if we look at this realistically, we know that the U.S. has declared China a competitor. Um, but in fact, all nation states compete with each other and collect uh, information on each other. Uh, if they can. And again, this isn't always a bad thing. Mm. Um, um, it, it's, you know, different groups have, have sought each uh, have, have sought information about each other for thousands of years. It, so it's not just so much something that's new, it's just how they're, they're doing it. But I, I want to give sort of a, a very provocative uh, example. You know, we, we can look at some famous examples of spying, and we find that ultimately um, uh, that information getting into the open served sometimes the greater good. For example, you know, we figure out from, from Snowden's releases some of the things that the U.S. was doing, and this this created more transparency information. Right. It was painful for the U.S., but it was good for everyone else. And we can look at uh, the, the case of the Soviets uh, successfully getting American nuclear secrets in the early days of the Cold War. Uh, sure, it helped the Soviets build nuclear weapons, and the world became, in some respects, a more dangerous place, but it also opened the door to, to nuclear deterrence, and, and uh, likely the primary reason we have used nuclear weapons since uh, they were used against Japan. Um, so, you know, I think all of these things are not things that we should worry too much about. They, they've been going on in one form or another for thousands of years. We just have to do our best to, to limit the losses and, and not too much, uh, lose not too much, uh, not lose too much sleep over it. Andy, um, Joseph said it's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, I, you know, I, I think he makes some excellent points. Um, and that, you know, I would maybe add that uh, some would say that espionage is the world's oldest profession. Um, that, you know, it's been going on as long as uh, there have been political competitions, uh, either at the state level or at some uh, smaller level. Um, where I am a little bit less sanguine is that it, it still is very, very dangerous because I do agree that you know, the, the, the examples Joseph shared uh, are, are, are positive ones. But the danger is that we never really know, will knowledge save us or kill us, oh, right? And right. this is not really a technical or even a political question. I think mm. it's just a philosophical question. True. Um, that states cannot do without espionage, right? Both gathering information as well as preventing its secrets from being leaked. And, you know, whether that's a good thing or not, I think really depends case by case. And, uh, you know, whatever we think of it, I think it will be with us for a very long time. Mm. And uh, Tian Zhao, do you, do you have any concern that this 
kind of、uh, war, if you will, could be destructive. Yeah,、uh, I, I agree with、uh, what our panels just mentioned that if we define cyber war as like、um, just gathering information or intelligence and、uh, maybe cyber espionage issues, then I think both China and United States they have. Uh, they're involved in this kind of cyber war for for many years, according to、uh, those news reports, right? But I think that w- what we need to worry about is those cyber cyber war or cyber warfares that are、uh, they may、uh, lead to physical damage or very serious consequences.、Uh, like what? This kind of,、uh, for example, we know that、uh, the the Stuxnet. Uh, the virus that the United States and Israel developed, and、uh, it, it led to the, the nuclear facility in Iran uh, broke. Uh, so th- this kind of、uh, very serious physical damage,、um, I, I think it, it is very similar to like the traditional conventional war. So I think this kind of、uh, cyber war、uh, should be avoided. And if、uh, this kind of war happens between China and United States, it will lead to disaster,、uh, in my personal view. And we we do not have any、uh, international rules、uh, to regulate this kind of cyber war. So once it, it happens, I, I think both sides they have no experience in how to like manage and control this kind of、uh, cyber conflicts. So personally, I think that、um, I, I'm a little bit、uh, worried about、uh, this scenario.、Mm. Uh, if, if there are like cyber attacks against some sensitive facilities, especially some like、um, uh, critical infrastructures, those power plants, especially like nuclear power plants, and other like, for example, maybe、uh, military command control systems, it will lead to a disaster. So I, I hope that. China and United States can just resume the cybersecurity dialogue as soon as possible, and、uh, But, both countries should.、Uh, yeah, Joseph, yeah, please. Yeah, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna pick up on something you were saying there. That it, we, we were seeing some recent reports that suggested that, you know, that there were sort of、uh, that if we look at the conflict in Ukraine, and of course everyone's studying this right now because it offers such a compelling case study of, of what a future conflict might look like. But one of the indictments that's coming out of this, out of the, the early analysis, is that cyber warfare has played an almost negligible role in terms of、uh, deciding、uh, the, the the gains or losses on the battlefield.、Um, and so th- there there are some people now saying、oh, maybe we've been hyping the, the danger of cybersecurity or cyber warfare、um, uh, for some time. Now I'm not saying it's not a real danger, but it is almost like a type of of nuclear thing, right? In other words. Yes, you know, maybe the NSA could、uh, hack Chinese power plants and and bring down the the grid, but China could, can do the same thing to the U.S. Right? So there is like, if you do that to us, we can do it to you. And and there seems to be some reservation, perhaps. Now, again, we don't know what happens if the gloves come completely off and and two sides really go to war. But again, it also kind of prevents people from going to war. Hopefully, yeah, like, like some deterrence. But、um, yeah, we don't want such a war.、Um, but hypothetically, if there is such a war, Joseph, you just said、uh, that China can do the same thing to the states. But can China have any chances of winning such a war, Joseph? You know, I I I think that at this point we we have to say that 
that, as I said in the very beginning, that, that China's cyber attack ability is, is considered very robust. It's just that it's more, much more robust than its, than its cyber defense. And, and the same is true of the U.S. So uh, I do see it as a type of deterrence. I, I, I think that uh, clearly both sides have uh, incredible abilities to, to damage each other. Both sides have considerable nuclear weapon capabilities, uh, uh, submarines, all these other weapons. We have, we have uh, uh, missiles that can kill satellites and, and various things. But, uh, uh, you know, so I, I, but I, in some sense, there's a comparable uh, capability. And um, again, there's also this understanding that if you really go to war and you're really waging the cyber warfare, there are bigger problems. <laughs> You know, we're talking about, um, you know, are your cities being bombed? Are your um, power plants being bombed? It's not just that your your grid's being crashed yeah. so that you can bring down the, the, the air defense and you can get your, your planes into the, to the airspace. The problems are much, much bigger. So I think the lesson in Ukraine is, is something that uh, requires some, some um, consideration. What would be your prediction, uh, Andy, if such a scenario occurs? Well, I think um, that uh, defend, depending how we define cyber warfare, mm. you know, there again, there's the intelligence component, there's the uh, attack on physical assets. Um, we don't really know, I think. Um, but ultimately, you know, I think that it will only be one tool, one strategy in a larger conflict and ultimately i think what will be decisive is just the political will uh, mm. to win and we need to look at in you know both countries if it ever came to that and again hopefully it never will but who you know can marshal the support of the people uh the political will to do what it takes to win and i think that will ultimately be the decisive factor if it ever came to that. With that, we wrap up today's chat. Many thanks to Zhang Tianjiao Associate Professor at Development Institute, Fudan University, Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, and Joseph Mahoney, Professor of Politics and International Relations at East China Normal University. Your insightful analysis and views. Feel free to leave a review for us, either on the topic or on the show. And subscribe to the Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Tuyun, saying thank you for listening. Bye for now. Ever wondered what's actually going on in Africa through the perspective of an African? How are things really going between China and Africa? What's the narrative of this relationship? Well, get a perspective with China-Africa Talk. Hear from African diplomats, entrepreneurs, academics, Chinese natives, and more. Get an hour wavelength every week to find out what's real with China-Africa Talk. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. We'll see you there.